Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, your channel for the latest alumni stories in Boston and beyond. In this show, we'll catch up with Northeastern alumni who are out there achieving what's next. Everyone is creative, and everyone is welcome. This is Sophia Moon's mantra as an artist, entrepreneur, and community builder. Every month, she hosts the Boston chapter of Creative Mornings, a free lecture series and global movement of over 200 chapters in 65 countries. Hi, Sophia. Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off, you have quite the impressive resume when you look at your your past, including music, art, marketing, entrepreneurship, and community building. How do you answer the question, what do you do, when people ask you that? I, I don't. <laughs> uh, you know, what I do is I try to go by context. So if I'm at an art show, then I'll answer from the artist side of who I am. Um, when I am at Creative Mornings, I'm the community builder. But if you and I, like for instance, you and I are sitting and we're like, let's have a coffee, talk about what we do and who we are, then I can be a little more, you know, get more into it. And then there's like three kind of major umbrella categories and facets um, to what I do. And that would be artist, which covers all manner of like personal creative expression from music to painting and writing and songwriting and all of that kind of falls under artist. And creative strategist would be the client work that I do, like helping clients build their brand and find their voice and find their creative identities. And then community building kind of speaks for itself. That would be kind of my third labor of love part of what I do. Great. And so let's start with the art side. Oh, how How has your passion for music and art influenced the rest of your career? You know, if you look at my career, there's a, like, if you look on my LinkedIn, it probably looks like I was a very confused individual in my 20s and 30s. Like, this is so weird. She was an associate VP at Bank of America, and she was a retail manager at Sprint. And meanwhile, she's been a singer for two decades. And you know, the way music and art shaped it is that every decision I made career-wise, whether or not it looks far-fetching and unrelated, enables me to do my art and my music. So I like to think of the seemingly odd careers and job choices as my patrons. You know, they were they were the means of me pursuing my music and my art in a way that was independent and free. So... My four years at large bank as an associate VP and wealth manager was me working eight to five and then in the evenings running over to the studio and recording from nine till four in the morning and then somehow managing to get squeeze in three hours of sleep and and then get back up in the morning and do my day job again. So that's how art and music has always been the central focus mm-hmm. and everything else I've always done has been a means of, of supporting that, mm-hmm. enabling me to do that in an independent way, not in a starving artist kind mm-hmm. of way, which is a huge fallacy, by the way. You don't have to be a starving artist. Mm-hmm. And, and then everything I chose to do, I was good at it. I was good at 
relationship building and I was good at managing people. I didn't love it, but I was good at it. And so that's the way I think of it. Every job, every career that I had was was a, a means of me being able to create and pay my bills and have a roof over my head. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I think not everyone is able to do that side hustle and work all those hours and really fit in the things that you're passionate about while working a day job. And I think a lot of people probably are listening and saying, oh, I I have these passion projects that have been on the back burner. And it's really amazing that you've been able to, it's not really a side project. It's like you have multiple full projects that somehow get squeezed into your day. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I would challenge the folks who sit and, and listen to this podcast and say, you know, if it's something that you're truly passionate about, like find a way. It's just the cost of not doing it is too high for you to be, you know, not to get like morbid, but to, to be on your deathbed or to look at the end of your life and and think to yourself like you didn't fulfill your passion or your destiny or your calling in life. Like that sucks. I think make it happen. There are so many excuses under the sun to to say that, you know, you don't have enough time in a day. But we all, and it's true, I feel like I do 100% a handful of things, 100%. And one wonders, like, how that's possible. But if you care enough, you'll make it happen. And if you don't, like, put it aside and say, hey, maybe that's just a hobby. Maybe that was a passing interest. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Try things. And if they don't stick, find something else. Find your passion. Because we can go into the root of all like sadness and depression and suicide rates and people feeling unactualized in their lives. Like we could go into all that like stuff, but I think that's what it whittles down to. Like human beings are not meant to work simple nine to fives where they like check in and check out and, and derive no meaning from it. You know, we're just not meant for that. We have hearts, we have souls, we have minds and I'm rambling, Um, (laughs) but you know, there's just so much more to who we are. And, and I think not to oversimplify, you know, mental health issues and, and all of these kind of social issues that we're facing as a society, but it, it comes down to pursuit of, of bigger things like happiness not material things like defining wealth in a different way you know so anyway I could go on talking about this forever and I love you that. won't get a question in edgewise so I'm gonna stop there and, and let you go ahead and ask another question so tell me about the art studio that you own what is your vision for that space now and how long have you had it and when did you pivot to art as this like this kind of newer main focus of your career while you've had all these past jobs yeah so uh music was my first kind of love I started singing when I was 10 and then for the two decades following that everything was to everything I did in my life even going to college you know I majored in sociology I wasn't a music major but all through the four years I was involved with music I was performing all over the city um, as a solo artist after college I was in an acapella group I had a short stint in a pop girl group for a while (laughs) not the most shining moment of my career but it was fun while it lasted and then you know released a couple solo albums and singles and you know, so music was my thing. And then, but I realized that, and this was shortly after I finished my MBA here at Northeastern, and I was pursuing it. And I was like, this is it, my full time thing. And then I realized I didn't love the lifestyle of it. Like, I love the songwriting. I love recording. I love 
making music, but I didn't want the lifestyle of it. I didn't want to go on tour. I didn't want to kind of be a a wandering artist. Um, so I, around the same time, I met my now husband and we got married and I had a kid. And so art was one of those things, like painting was one of those things as a kid I always loved to do. And even in college, took some classes, absolutely loved it. Anytime I had a chance, I would take like a community like class or like an evening adult class and paint and, and just fall into this world. And what I found there was a way to take what music was for me for so long and channel it just in a different way. So right around my my now daughter, she's, she's going to be four soon. Um, she's three and a half. And... When I was pregnant and unable to really sing much because I was like huge was when I started really painting again and just getting into a daily practice of painting. And it just got to a place where I couldn't fit my art in my house anymore and Mm -hmm. I was driving my husband crazy. So he decided to open up an art studio and create this space and then it flourished into something more. It flourished into a space for creativity and creativity in the community. So... I live in Charlestown and we have art labs for kids and they get to come and they get to create. Uh, We just started workshops for adults in the evenings. So uh, we're doing pet portrait workshops and just fun things to get people to get out of what their normal routine is and make something, get their hands dirty. Um, So yeah, it's become this like mission that's like outside of just my own art and my own space. It's become a space for art community and kind of just creativity it seems like this space is kind of a external representation of yourself it is because it's it's funny that you're not just an artist it's a space for everything it's a creative space and community and everything and we don't think of space as being important right we don't and and we don't think of the lack of space as keeping us from manifesting certain parts of, you know, who we are and what our mission is. But finally having a physical space that was dedicated to my creativity helped it evolve into this thing where all facets of who I am are kind of really showing up here. So this even this past summer, I added... Um, the programming was music and art labs. So I play the ukulele and I sing some songs and the kids come and they sing along with me and and all the, I teach them like different areas of like vocal expression and dynamics while we sing a song. So, you know, the itsy bitsy spider is sleepy and we do emotions and then she's excited and we go faster. And like, so I've added that component to these art labs, like the first 15, 20 minutes. And that's bringing a whole nother facet of myself in. And now p- parents are like, do you want to teach ukulele to our kids? Like you should have a ukulele class. I'm like, huh, let's do this. So that's down the line. And we just celebrated one year since we opened our doors to this uh, creative community kind of aspect of the studio. And it's been, it's been a wild journey. I absolutely love it. And what's it called? SM Art Studio. I mean, is it in Charlestown? It is in Charlestown. Yeah. I love that. So let's back up. Okay. Talk a little bit more about your career journey, and you've, you've hinted at a few of the roles you've had in banks and whatnot. So tell me about that and how you reached where you are today. You know, any job I've had has always been, um, there's only one job where I went into a career fair and was like, I'm 
fresh out of college. I did a year of AmeriCorps mm -hmm. right out of college and uh, stayed here in Boston through a, pro a program called MacVista, and you ran a community service learning program at a college. And so I was at Tufts Medical School uh, advising students who were older than I was, which was weird because they were like first or second year med students. And so they were older than, some of them were older than I was or in the same boat and helping them uh, learn through, learn empathy with patients through community service. So devising this program and it was so much fun, but you know, AmeriCorps doesn't really pay much. So you're living in the city and I was like, this is crazy. I can't do this. So I went to a job fair around the corner from where I lived at Sprint and I just wanted a sales job. I my parents were in business and I grew up in it. So and props to my mom. She is the fearless entrepreneur whom I learn everything from. So um I just went in and I was like, I'm just gonna get a sales job while I figure things out. And I went in and they offered me a, a new pilot program that they were doing where they were training new managers, right? So I went in for a sales job. They gave me a manager job and <laughs> and then uh, went on this training and I was able to apply a lot of the things I'd learned just growing up in a business. So yeah, I did that. And then after that, it was from the relationships I built. And, and I think that's important. Like wherever you are, whatever it is you're doing, you may not know it, but it's the you doing what you say you're going to do and say what you're going to do and like the communication side of it and the delivering side of it, like the relationships you don't even think are going to matter will because it was a manager at uh, who I had a great relationship with at Sprint. When he moved to Bank of America, he said, hey, you'd be fantastic mm -hmm. for this. I gave your name. Ended up at Bank of America and it was a notch up. Um, and, and everywhere I've gone, the relationships have been kind of the bedrock of where, where I've gone and, and how I've branched into different things. So they seem random, but the only random thing I've ever done is walk into a career fair at Sprint mm -hmm. um, some crazy years ago. And after that, everything was relationship-based. And that's how the journey kind of went. Yeah, so. we, we talk a lot about networking here at Northeastern, and, and I think it's a, it's a scary word that people don't always know what that means, but it yeah. is just relationships, and I think that's really inspiring to hear that you just, you embrace those relationships. Who, who's going to get you that next job? Is it something that's going to, you know, have meaning for you? Is that going to take yeah. you to that next place? And, and having your eyes open for what that is, not knowing when it will come or what, what it will be, but being open to it. And that's it, Megan. I feel like you need to build the relationships authentically. Like you need to build, and I know that word is tossed around so mm -hmm. much these days, that and organic and networking and all these words are so thrown out all the time. But ultimately it boils down to this, like, truly care about the people. If they're not your people, that's okay. You don't have to build relationships with people who are not your people because one day they may get you somewhere. That's so transparent. And I've been on the receiving end of that. And it's not fun. Like, I know your mind is elsewhere. I know you could really care less about who I am as a person. But if you build the relationships, and I'm, I don't mean everybody, because somebody may know somebody. Mm -hmm. I need to know everybody. That's a very, like, uh, you know, not to knock on L.A., but it's a very L.A. mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you know and where can you get me? It's not about that. It's about find the people who resonate values with you. I'm not friends with everybody from my sprint mm -hmm. days, but I have a handful. One of them is my best friend. There are a handful of them that are, like, really close, like, 
like we're homies, mm-hmm. you know, like so and we went through the trenches together. Like those are the relationships and invest in those relationships, not from a place of like, where will this person potentially take me? But because you truly care. And when that resonance is there, they'll talk about you and they will sell you for you because they truly know who you are and they truly know the good person and the kind person that you are. And it's not, but don't do it because you want to get something or because you want to lay inroads for something down the line. And and I think that's where the misconception is. Mm-hmm. Like networking, okay, I'm going to follow these five steps. I met somebody, looks like they know a lot of people on LinkedIn. Let me connect with them and then say hi. And then boom, that's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not. Like meet, be real, bring yourself. And also lead with what you can do for them, mm-hmm. not what they can do for you. It's just, it's it's a very bizarre world we live in. And like, I can't tell you how many messages I get like, hi, we met once like five years ago and I'm interviewing for this job here or this company is like a company I'd love to work for. I see you know somebody there. Can you make an introduction? No. Let's make no a full sentence and just say no. Like, I don't do that. That's mm-hmm. just not how I roll. And it's not, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. I just don't. You know, I so. took a class. So I actually got my MBA from Northeastern also. Um, and one of the classes I took was called Power and Influence. Mm-hmm. And one of the main points that the professor was talking about was about relationships and you had these strong ties and your weak ties. And a lot of the readings would say that it's really the weak ties that might help you in a career. And for, for me for a little bit, I was like, okay, well, I know the difference between a strong tie, like my best friend, my family. Right. They're the strong tie, so maybe they're not the ones getting me the job. But a weak tie, that is almost like the wrong word for it. It is the wrong word. It it makes it sound like it's superficial, like you're saying that it's just like you're asking for something. But it's really just keeping in mind, like when you're in in a job, you're spending so much time with your colleagues. Exactly. And they can be different types of ties. Like they're, they can be friends too. They're mentors. They're, you're in the same industry there you're learning from them so that's not weak but that's something that you have things in common which build into stronger relationships that you're talking about that can launch into things later but it's really about that reciprocity in those in those relationships too and they're not weak but they they're different I like to think of them as soft yes not like not weak like there are definitely folks like I can tell you who my rock people are like when I'm in a place and I need to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. I know who those people are and it's it's reciprocal Mm -hmm. you know it goes two ways but then there are and this is not to say like you have to be best friends with everybody Mm -hmm. or like know everybody's life story but when you're with them and when you just know that you're be your true self, Mm -hmm. like be a good, first of all, be a good person, right? Mm -hmm. And then be your true self with people. So yeah, I agree. I think weak ties is such a, it's not the right way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Um, So the opposite of strong is not weak. The Mm -hmm. opposite of strong is, is for me, a soft tie. Mm -hmm. And sometimes soft ties are like meant to be soft ties. Mm -hmm. Like you're there when you see each other, it's great, but you don't have to talk to each other every week mm-hmm. and they can still be just as genuine as Absolutely. the strong ties and sometimes those ties you're right can catapult you further um and i see this even with uh like even with having a business right so my all my best friends and and they will bring their kids but if i counted only on my best friends to bring their kids we would have an art lab of like 12 kids mm-hmm. the same kids all the time and that would be it but it's going to be the people that you meet 
who by chance find out about you and then they come and they have a great time and you have a really during that hour that they're there they're like this is amazing she's great with our kids this is a great idea and then they go and talk to mm-hmm. about it with their people and like sometimes that word of mouth and that connection will be so much stronger to take you into the uh kind of like the growth part mm-hmm. of your business and the growth part of yourself and your trajectory like they'll be the ones to catapult you and that's so. probably helpful that you have your MBA from Northeastern yes, and you yes, have this is. marketing background entrepreneurship yeah. so because I've also been through the program, a lot of people ask me, what do you actually learn from business school? Yeah. It's a tough question sometimes, and I had to really reflect on my mm-hmm. real takeaways. Because it's like you take one accounting class. You're not an accountant now. No. It's, it's a, it's a I'm bigger... I'm far from an accountant. <laughs> Very far. <laughs> I'm in the marketing world, yes. too, clearly. So um, what would you say are your main takeaways from the program? First of all, I think it gives you... Not I think. I take that back. It gives you a full breadth and I don't know if you did the full-time program the or part-time. The, I, so part-time or full-time, it gives you a scope and it gives you a broad overview and in a, within a context of two years or four years or however long it takes you, you are devoting your time and you're investing in yourself to say like, I am going to think about these things. Like we think of bookkeeping and we're like, okay, I'll just keep my numbers. But you know, then there's a bigger part of it that fits into a business strategy or an entrepreneurial idea and it gives it gives a whim it gives a dream like legs to like mm-hmm. walk on and and to grow from so i would say it gives you that it gives you this context to think about business not just from a i have a great idea mm-hmm. everyone's got great ideas mm-hmm. right everyone's got the next brilliant idea but how do you how do you foster that so it gives you a broad scope to look at all the different ways that you need to approach an idea, right? So that is what it did for me. Um, on the other hand, like my, like I was saying, my I grew up in business. My parents um, had a business, and so even before I I knew all of the concepts and terms, I was implementing a lot. So, you know, my parents had a business. When I went to college, I started my own. I did work study to like help mm-hmm. pay for bills and, and books, but I quickly found that that was like no way to live. Mm-hmm. So I started my own business. I had a flower shop on campus from like sophomore year till senior year. And I took my like savings and I would go to the wholesale market, buy flowers and then make bouquets on Fridays and sell them in the student center, like rent a table. So like all these business things, like I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. If you don't have it and you don't have the drive, getting your MBA isn't going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. But if you do and you go for your MBA, it gives you a context, Mm -hmm. right? So there's that and I've always had it, but it helped me synthesize my experiences and then the realm of like the technical talk and all of the like formalities. And it helped me tie those things together so that when I'm sitting, some of my clients are investment banks and have been accounting firms and departments of universities. And when you're sitting down with a department chair, you have to know the language. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to speak in the formalities. Um, so it gave me that. It gave me context and and the formality to be able to structure and to speak the right language when it came to starting my, for instance, like my creative strategy mm-hmm. business side of things. Yeah, and for me also, it's almost giving you the confidence to communicate yeah. with industries that you might not be the most familiar with. Right. I remember when I first started, I was meeting classmates from all types of industries. I 
felt, I was actually, I felt like almost young in the program, even mm-hmm. though I was, I knew I was meant to be there. I was smart enough, but it, I quickly got that out of my mind because yeah. you, you have to participate, you have to present and you have to make a slide deck the night before and be okay with that and being able to own it. And you learn that so quickly that I think I wasn't afraid to speak up, yeah. even if I wasn't. I'm like, I'm not an expert at this, but I have thoughts and I'm going to listen and learn from my classmates who might right. even have more expertise here, which will just help me later on. Absolutely. Like case study, I'm such mm-hmm. a nerd. I love school. I'm a lifelong <laughs> nerd. My husband makes fun of me all the time because like I am. He's always like, you were the kid that like sat in the front of the class and raised your hand like, oh, I know, I know. Like, And it is, it's totally me that I always sat in the front. Like that was me even in my MBA program. So, you know, the idea of um, like even case studies, I would love them. I like looking at these problems, like real life problems that existed with real companies that we know. Mm-hmm. And then not just forming my own opinion, but then hearing vastly different opinions about mm-hmm. how things should be handled because people come from different experiences. Mm-hmm. And because they're all kind of pre-qualified and accepted into the program, everyone's point of view was very valid. And it helped broaden kind of the scope of my thinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Just all the expertise in the room and and then the professors always kind of bring that extra zest yes right? they do. and knowledge and wisdom to the class so yeah. that's it was great I, I loved my time here yeah so you and I first met at creative mornings yes. a few months back what is creative mornings how did you first get involved and you lead the Boston chapter so tell me about that So Creative Mornings is a global community of creatives. Boston is one of 206 chapters now in 65 countries. And if you ask me in a couple months, it'll probably have grown by a handful of chapters. Um, And essentially, it's a monthly breakfast lecture series. It's free for everybody all across the globe. So we have sponsors both locally and on a global level that help make that possible. And essentially, we create this experience for people, creatives, and you don't have to be in the creative industry, you just have to love it mm-hmm. and, and be passionate and have a creative, you know, kind of passion. And you come, you meet other creatives, and the idea is so much is online, so much is virtual. Like, let's just meet in real life. Like, give a high five, not just the emoji high five, but like, actually, like, you can, you know, yeah. smack hands and give hugs and create this community of people who care and, and people who share values about kindness and goodness in the world. And we have a guest speaker. We have free breakfast. So it's coffee and donuts and amazing sponsors and amazing, like, folks who are just embedded into our community and always, like, a great chunk of people who are completely new to it. And you just put them in a room and give them an experience where they're joyful mm-hmm. and the speaker always speaks to a global theme that every chapter is talking about. So there's this golden thread that ties all the mm-hmm. chapters together. Last month, the theme was justice. This coming month, the theme is muse. And we get guest speakers from our community, like local heroes, to come and talk about their life story and share something meaningful in the in the realm of the, of the global theme. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's magical. We have about just under 6,000 creatives on our like mailing list. And that's not the way to judge a community um, by any means, but it grows over mm-hmm. time. And everyone opts in to be a part of our community. Uh, and every event is anywhere between 100 to 200 people at an mm-hmm. event, depending on the venue size. 
and it's phenomenal. Like you really have to come and experience it to to really get what Creative Mornings is about. So you're all invited. Yeah, it's free. I mean, <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. I've only been to the one, and what's great is I, I still now I'm on the email list. So I even if I can't attend yeah. every month, um, you do film the yes, sessions, and I still even just getting the invite, I can you can click through the the faces that are coming. It's yes. it's a really neat way to see where people work, and I've recognized people from absolutely. Like, my undergrad, like, I just see faces and names I yes. know. It, it really is and kind Huskies of expensive. Are so. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so it's it is a really neat opportunity. And Absolutely. so, did you were you first going to them, and then you kind of got yeah. involved as a volunteer and yeah. leader of the group? So Swiss Miss um, Tina Roth Eisenberg, she's the founder of Creative Mornings, and I um, was following her blog, and it was about five years ago now, maybe a little more. And I was just reading one of her blog posts, and she's phenomenal. It's just great voice um, for her blogs and just great perspective and I was reading through a blog and then there was something about there about creative mornings and oh check and see if there's a chapter near you and I was like oh I wonder if there's a Boston chapter like I would know right if there was a Boston chapter but I did look and sure enough there was a Boston chapter and it had recently started up so I was super excited immediately signed up went to an event and was blown away the host at the time Keith Frankel good friend he was phenomenal and uh, just the energy he brought and the people that were there and the experience it was absolutely magical fell in love with it and I uh, I stalked Keith and he can attest to this <laughs> I stalked Keith I you know messaged him and emailed him and Twitter messaged him and like everything I was like I need to be a part of your team what do you need I'm willing to help with anything just I need to be a part of this you know so he finally met with me because he's probably like, this crazy person's not going to stop because she knows what she wants. She's going to do this. So we met and and he told me the areas that I could help out with, the community building side, the experiences side of things. And so really between uh, that meeting and a year ago, I took a, a hiatus when um, I had Ariana, my daughter. But for the four years with that hiatus, I... Um, just pretty much took on different roles at every time. So by the time last year when Keith was leaving um, and I and I took over as host, it was, I had touched different areas except for maybe a, a couple because the host always kind of handles the, the speakers mm-hmm. and kind of the direction of the experiences. So yeah, I took over and that's been over a year now and it's been a privilege just to be able to host such an amazing community and high fives hugs we're all about that so me I'm just it's a morning of just hugging people and saying hi and it's honestly I I consider myself an outgoing person but I walked in and my colleague was going to be meeting me there and I was just kind of taking in the space sure like I barely had two minutes standing alone and people came up to me to introduce themselves and I I was just blown away and I just started talking to people and I think Everyone's like, oh, I'm not a creative, and I'm putting air quotes around that because everybody is. In everybody some way. is. <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't you don't have to be in like a quote unquote creative field. You don't have to be a designer, an exactly. artist, a musician to be in this world yeah. because we all are Absolutely. and can appreciate a speaker and connections and, and that motivation space. And, yeah. and good people. And, you know, the values that Creative Mornings um, fosters, you know, everyone is creative. Therefore, everyone is welcome. And in this very, like, tumultuous time, this very, like, conflict-ridden and divisive kind of uh, atmosphere that we're in, 
it's very hard to find uh, communities that will say, it doesn't matter who you are, what your beliefs are. Like, you are welcome here. And that's, we put it out there and it's front and forward. We are about in real life relationships and connections. And we're people who give a damn and we're kind and just come. We, we hug, we high five, be prepared for all of that, like, loviness. And Let's bring your own like, mug, right? For coffee? Yeah. Sustainable. So we, we've started that. So we're trying to be more sustainable. It's not a 100% participation rate, but um, we're following the steps of our other chapters. Like, there are chapters who are 100%, like, waste-free. Wow. And we're like, this is amazing. Something to aspire to. So, yeah, we did start the Bring Your Own Mug mm-hmm. campaign. It's been going great. So I love that. So looking back, you're someone who has followed passions. You found ways to kind of build this career with this Mm -hmm. drive and entrepreneurial spirit. Do you have a proudest moment? Man, that's a, I don't have a proudest moment. I, I feel like every day that I feel like I designed my own life and I was the master of my own destiny, is a proud moment. So every day, mm-hmm. every day, there are proud moments as a mom. <laughs> so there, having a kid, she will reflect back to me who I am, the good, bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. right? So if I've had like a particularly like grumpy moment and then she reflects that back to me because she mirrors that, I, you know, those are like the moments where I'm like, I must be better. But proud moments are like the other day, um, she was sitting on the floor, gathered all her dolls around her in a semicircle, the way I do for like my music and art labs. Mm-hmm. And she picked up the ukulele and she was strumming and singing a song that I wrote. So I've been writing original songs for kids and that's mm-hmm. like one on my docket. And she was singing an original song. So not like the Itsy Bitsy Spider, yeah. not Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but a song that I wrote. It's called Hello. And she, she was singing it to her dolls and she was, and then she would stop in the middle of a melody and she'd be like it's okay bacon that's her little piggy's name she's like it's okay bacon you can sing too like you can whisper and she's like doing this kind of engaging teaching thing mm-hmm. that I do with the kids mm-hmm. and so like those moments are like oh my gosh like this is crazy so like there's proud moments like that like proud mommy moments I'm gonna cry like I love my baby um so there's those moments there's um Proud moments like I grew up in a broken family, but to have my husband and my daughter and I, and we are a unit. Mm -hmm. So every morning when we wake up or any weekend that we have and we're like, this is family time, we're going to shut everything off and just focus on us. Like those are proud moments for me to, to have that that which I did not have when I was growing up, you know, anytime a, a parent comes and says, my kid, like loves coming to your art labs or like a a kid runs in and goes Miss Sophia and she comes and like hugs me on her way in and she just like you know those hugs where they're like they just squeeze you around (laughs) the neck and you're like oh my gosh this is so amazing like those are my proudest moments so um I'm not making you know 2.5 million a year I'm not like Mm -hmm. I'm not it's not based on that it's not defined by that for me so it's those like little moments that Mm -hmm. are like kind of pile up to become this life I design this life that's and that's a great way to put it it is a life you yeah. designed fully intentionally yeah and it's nothing fell into your lap you had to nothing. create this for yourself absolutely that's when also I, very inspiring <laughs> when I create like my art lab schedule which I'm, I just did now for like the fall and the winter 
it wasn't about what's the demand or, or mm -hmm. you know, how many labs can I fit in a week so that I can make a million dollars this year? It wasn't about that. It was about, well, what's the kind of day I want to have? What's the kind of week I want to have? What is optimal? What is an optimal schedule for both the the clients, the kids and the parents, but also optimal for me as a mom. And, and Ari doesn't go to daycare or school yet. We still spend a great amount of time together. And, you know, what is the optimal life for me? Like is five, five lab labs a week. Is that something that's optimal for me? probably not you know it would be more stressful than than a labor of love and that's not what I'm I'm in it for so everything is like a very deliberate decision every every relationship I build every coffee date every podcast interview yeah. I agree to do like these are all deliberate so when I come into it I'm full of joy mm -hmm. I know that I'm here because I chose it mm -hmm. and that's that's like the proudest thing I can say. Like my mom, as an immigrant here, couldn't make that choice. She had to work. She had to have a business and she had to work seven days a week, like 14-hour days. She barely got to see us. This was not her choice. She had to. So I feel like for for me to live this like what, what was for her like an American dream for her kids is a choice. Mm -hmm. And to be able to like choose how I live my life and every day. So... I love that. There's my long-winded answer to that. <laughs> Thank you, Sophia. And I think that's all the time we have. So yeah. where can people find your art, information about Creative Mornings, sure. connect with you, anything you can plug there? Absolutely. So, you know, because I have different facets of my life, Creative Mornings will be at creativemornings.com. The studio stuff will be at SM Art Studio, and that's E-S-S-E-M Art Studio. And then my own art is at sophiamoonart.art. Yeah, and then just... I am Sophia Moon is my Instagram, and that's kind of where I just do all the personal stuff. But um, whatever resonates with you, follow me there. Like, if Creative Morning sounds fabulous, go there. That's where you can find me. But I am there, and I'm here, like, totally open for collaborations and ideas and thoughts. So thank you so much, Sophia. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been super fun. Thanks for listening. You can connect with Sophia on Instagram at I am Sophia Moon and find a Creative Mornings chapter near you at creativemornings.com. This is Megan Kirkbrisson from the Office of Alumni Relations. I would love to hear from our listeners. Tweet us at alumni.nu with the hashtag NortheasternNext, or my email is listed on our website, alumni.northeastern.edu. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and I'll talk to you soon.